0: Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. Then even the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the fire fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, Herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, Herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother's sheep. Our second reading is from the book of Mark. Please rise and stand if you are able to In Mark chapter one, verse at verse one. The proclamation of John the Baptist. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of
1: God for the children of God. Praise Praise be God. God. <coughs> Good morning, Good morning. Uh, Before I start, God, let me please bow our heads in prayer. Father God, may my words be your words, that we will be filled with new understanding of your word, your wisdom, and your meaning in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. So as you know, uh, Pastor Andrew has taken ill, and uh, I was asked only on Friday to give this Advent, Advent week's message on peace. No pressure. Fortunately, he was able to send me notes on his sermon. Uh, I spoke with Sarah yesterday at our breakfast with Santa Fe, and she told me that last Wednesday he could not speak at all. And had just been prescribed antibiotics and prednisone, and was just getting his voice back. She uh, told me how weird it was that she would say something to him, and he would only nod. (laughs) (laughs) And I jokingly said it was ironic that peace is this Advent week's theme. (laughs) As I said, I received Pastor Andrew's sermon notes Friday evening. I glanced over them, but had no time to really dig into them as I was needed to help prep for yesterday's breakfast with Santa. Uh, and we are also helping with the uh, children's uh, cantata thing. Uh, and Saturday morning I was going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be complete wash because I was cooking. And uh, so from what I did read, I knew that the opening paragraphs would have to be scrapped, as it were about Pastor Andrews with ADHD. Well, for one, that's not my story. And for two, it's nothing I can entirely relate to Um, other than knowing that had I been born 10 or 20 years later, I might have been diagnosed with the same uh, disorder. (laughs) Obviously, being a different person from Andrew, uh, I'm also going to come from a slightly different angle, too. Uh, I'm not claiming to be better or more knowledgeable than Andrew, just different. And as a different person, I have something slightly different to say. One of the things I noticed was he was talking about war. And I suppose it's because this is going on today uh, with Ukraine, Israel, and throughout. And while we being pulled into a war would definitely be a peace destroyer, I feel worried about what might be uh, an unnecessary and even unhealthy uh, exercise. Uh, we hear on the news, on or all through the grapevine, about war, rumors of war, poverty, division, corruption, crime, and oppression. I'm not saying we should ignore what is happening. Uh, But I know that life saps our peace in many mundane ways, right where we are as well. I would rather address things that are closer to home and actually ongoing because if we have no peace here, we stand no chance of exporting it. Another thing I noticed is a comparison between peace and chaos. And from my understanding, uh, those are not the polar opposites of each other. My understanding is that order and chaos are polar opposites. And peace, or inner turmoil, is our response to them. Peace being the better of the two, if you can get there. We cannot bring peace simply by ignoring things that trouble us. There are millions of things going on at the same time in our world. We hear about these things or we hear about this thing or that thing going on in our country or some far-flung corner of the world, and the media will bring it to you and try to convince you that it's practically an existential threat to you, or it's happening many more times than than you thought it might have been. And then the thoughts start swirling around in your head. And what are we going to do to find sense in all and work we find peace in it. We may experience living paycheck to paycheck, rising cost of living, and unattainable life goals. We experience loss in many ways as well. Jobs are lost, sometimes through no fault of our own. We see people that we love engaging in destructive lifestyle choices, or making other foolish decisions. We lose family and friends through death. All this adds up to the chaos of our lives. We feel not only without hope, but utterly without peace. What little peace we have feels like it's always under attack as well. Is there no wonder why our society and our world are fractured? We cannot create peace by turning off the news or closing our doors and staying home. We can't proverbially bury our heads in the sand. Those things might create a moment of peace in your mind. But many of these events could become real life problems for us. I realize that ignorance is bliss. But we cannot have true peace if we don't understand and sift through the chaos. We can't ignore everything. There is too much around us happening. It has turned our chaos leader pegged to 11. Sometimes we cannot even begin to process any of it. There is a combination of chaos that affects us directly, and chaos that doesn't affect us directly at all, but we worry about it nonetheless. We seek order, and we believe that nothing but pure order is the only solution, but that we would be wrong there too. Wait a minute Bob, what do you mean we'd be wrong in believing that order is the solution to chaos? Didn't you just tell us, hey, they're polar opposites. So. And isn't chaos the cause of everything evil that happens to us? And isn't order good and chaos bad? So that I have to tell you that order and chaos in this world are neither good nor evil. There is much order in the world. Life itself is dependent to a large degree on order. Uh, we know that the earth sits in a sweet spot in the, in the, of order in the universe where life could not happen. If we were a little farther or closer to the sun, poof, we'd have no life. No water, poof, no life. No oxygen, well, no water again, and no life. This is natural order, but all of it is subject to chaos. Chaos being simply change within the order, however intense or minor. For example, if we were not here, Then a volcano eruption, or a hurricane that tears down a forest, kills a bunch of animals, and scars the land, would simply be considered the earth doing what the earth does, within its order. But because we are sentient beings, and feel our comfort is the center of the universe, we see that chaos is something that shouldn't be. Man has tried to varying degrees of success and failure to keep nature in constant order. His idea of order, anyway. But since nature doesn't care about man's conception of order, nature's order, subject to chaos, always wins. <clears throat> Man has also tried to order society, also with varying degrees of success and failure. We realize that too much social chaos is anarchy, though some don't care. We cannot reorder society every other day, though some will try. We can't just change the rules as we go along though some would also try. We tend to hate change for change's sake as it is. It's not only unproductive, it's mayhem. On the other hand, we fail to realize that too much social order is tyranny. How would a child feel if the parents tried to treat it as an infant and expected it always to act that way too? What if society insisted that there's only one way to eat an apple? And anyone doing it different should be ostracized or worse. If we try too hard to demand social order or inflict unwarranted social chaos, we will make no one happy, including ourselves. We will have no peace. We focus our time in the second week of Advent, seeking to reclaim peace. This, though, is a different, different peace than we may think. This is not a peace through power as many have conceptualized and even glorified in the past. This is not peace that means everything is going to be just going swimmingly for you. No, this is a peace that comes in and rests as the Spirit of God in our midst and calls us to live, embody, and exist in God's perfect love together. The call from our reading in Isaiah echoed the reading from Mark. It is an opportunity to encounter what is to come, similar to last week? Cold. However, it is the inward work that takes place in the midst and prepares us for what is to come. The call is echoed in Isaiah 40, chapter 1. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. The comfort we need is in God's presence accompanied by the Spirit that guides us forward. Chaos has so much control over our world. Because we try and seek our comfort, our individual peace, and we forget that God is the one who offers true peace, true comfort, and true love. We neglect that the inner work of faith that we do is not meant for us, but for others. Our faith transforms us so that we can transform others in the image of God that has been restored within us. We hear the prophet Isaiah calling out for comfort, and John calling out from the, wilderness, from the wilderness for people to hear the same call. However, do we recognize the role we play in continuing comfort here on earth? Our desire for comfort makes yes. it a, a place we want to hang out forever. Comfort shouldn't be that, that the ultimate hope of our life. <clears throat> the real thing with comfort is that sometimes to be comfortable, we must first be uncomfortable we must encounter that which makes the world chaotic. The brokenness and fractured state of bring us into uncomfortable places so that we can find the ultimate peace in our lives. When we consider consider what reclaiming peace may look like, we must encounter the presence of God's eternal peace rather than our own conception of what we think peace is. Pax Romana. 27 B.C. to 180 A.D. is considered by many one of the most peaceful eras in human history. However, if we dive deeper into what peace looked like, it was more of a peace through subjugating power, rather than the true peace of God that He offers us if we live for Him and Him alone. If we dive even into our present age, considered by many called "Past Americana, We could probably find ourselves in several holes in peace with that concept as well. Uh, There are many similarities between the peace of Rome and the peace of America, but the starkness is that it doesn't feel like real peace. Even if we look within our bounds, we see hatred, violence, and division. It is no wonder that when Mark turns to writing and collecting the stories of the gospel before us today, the good news begins before we ever meet Christ. Yes, we do not get to the birth narrative Mark. <clears throat> rather we begin with the prophecy of Isaiah, and then are dropped right into the story of John the Baptist. We hear of this man, John, out in the wilderness, calling folks to this reimagination of what the world could be like. The current religious society wielded too much social order. They made religion a tyranny of the law. The law was good, but it could not be fully followed by anyone. It became a two-tiered system of ins who could flaunt the law without consequences and outs who could do no right. It became a religion of subjugating power. Notice the one who holds the power is the one who is to come. John does not proclaim to be the change, only the one who will herald it in. Yet when we see the way that Jesus uses the power, that he has is to have, we see a complete transformation from what we consider power to actually be. We don't need to look far into the life of Jesus to see that the way Jesus uses his power is completely contrary to the way the people would have liked him to use that power. In fact, it's that lack of how people thought he was going to use his power is what actually got kill him killed. Uh, mm-hmm. This is because Jesus calls us to reclaim peace. He reclaimed peace by sifting the nature of power away from the temple in the Roman Empire and onto God, whose great love brings us into perfection. It is through our trust and faith in God that we come to live into, experience, and ultimately achieve the nature of perfect love. It begins with John because John sets the stage for the work Jesus will do. <clears throat> We do not get the story of Jesus actually being baptized, yet that will come in another month. Instead, we get John's call to the people of Israel, a transformed life, an uncomfortable transformed life, known only by readers and viewers of the passage in Isaiah. This is why Mark precedes his introduction to John with the passage about the one who comes before. We imagine those those, li- those whose lives were impacted by John may have been the very ones who experienced transformation in the life and death of Jesus. We have the water of cleansing and the Holy Spirit of grace that fills us. Who do we meet when we face this yeah, through baptism? Do we come with hearts and spirits open to the transformation that God offers to us? This transformation, by the way, is pure order. Because God is pure order. Pure order is tyranny to the unbeliever, but God's pure order is liberating, as every, every believer knows. We take Christ's hand and give God our hearts. God does not subjugate us. We willingly bow before him and trust him and are ultimately freed from the anxiety this world has to offer. Yes, we are wiped clean in our repentance, but not in a way that makes us brand new Instead, as disciples of Christ, we have the image of God, and by that image, shown through our faith, we live, we love, and we find peace. What if this advent we reclaim peace? What if we allow ourselves to be guided by the peace God offers? Isaiah 40 is a call for people to, to imagine a new nation, a new world, heralded by the very divine nature of God. This passage meant for people in exile calling them back, not to their land but to their God, the one who offers comfort and peace. The chaos that exists around them can shake their peace, but ultimately it should be the peace within them that overcomes the chaos around them and quells their fears. This peace can look many different ways, but it calls us to be beacons of God's love and grace for all. It calls us to reach out and love our neighbors. Just as God loves us, it calls us to see beyond the hatred we have fostered across lines and reach out into the bonds of grace to begin anew. It calls us to seek a greater peace that sees no place for war, violence, or hatred, but recognizes the image of God that exists in all creation. At our own level, the image of peace of God helps us to recognize that we are not the center of our existence. In the mundane chaos of life, we have all we need to endure and thrive. We are meant to find the inner peace in the face of the the outward chaos, and through doing so, offer that peace to others. How are you sharing that peace with your faith? Amen. Amen.